0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Romans chapter 8 is where we continue uh, this morning. As you turn there, Romans chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 18 uh, today, but just want to uh, give you a few thoughts for the summer, because summer's here. I know you know summer's here. It's finally warm out, and it's beautiful out, and... And uh, lots going on, uh, lots going on within our church as well. One of the things that we are thinking about for the summer is our summer attendance. Honestly, we just kind of go down a little bit um, just because people are here and there and everywhere with vacations and all those things, which are good and right. And uh, But we just want to remind you and encourage you that if you are, are here this summer and you're not serving anywhere, we could use your help. And so... Uh, if Welcome Ministry is one area that we could use your help this summer, and hopefully it continues beyond the summer. But this summer is an area we could use your help in. Harvest Kids is another area we could use your help in this summer, um, just in, in different capacities. I know you have to go through police checks and everything, but we could get you somewhere doing something just to help us out. Uh, one of the things we don't want to do is have people show up this summer and no one's there to greet them, and no one's there to, to, to lead their kids in the ways of the Lord. Are right, you agreeing with me on that? And so who does that responsibility fall on? For sure the pastor, for sure the staff, Right? Nope, all of us. This is our church. This is something that we do together. And so we just encourage you, if you're not serving anywhere, those are two areas that we'd really, really appreciate you just kind of jumping in and being a part of. So I commit that to you. And I don't encourage you to pray about it. Just do it, because I know it's God's will for your life. How's that for you? (laughs) He wants us to serve as part of our joy. And so uh, we're going to read Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 25. Today I'm just going to start with just reading the text. Such a good text. Don't want to waste any time really with an intro. Uh, want to get into it. And this is really continuing on our series, Holy Alive by the Power of the Holy Spirit. Here's a life that is wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit right here, starting at verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation is, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, Christians, believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here's the truth that we're going to hit on today, and you've seen it in this passage. Here's another aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. The Holy Spirit simply does this. When he comes in, he indwells us, and he reminds us that there's no more condemnation. He, he reminds us we're set free from the law of sin and death. And we're set free to a new law, Christ's law of righteousness and holiness. We see that the Holy Spirit, uh, further on, he transforms our minds as we move on and he changes our whole mindset of things, of how we view life and interact with life. He reminds us and he brings us to this place where we are children of the almighty God. And he also, he also instills within us a hope for something better yet to come. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He instills us within us an eternal longing for Jesus Christ. Every too true child of God realizes that you are just here on earth on a temporary assignment and your real home that you're created for is in heaven and that is still coming. Amen. Every true child of God is like the kid at summer camp who loves being away for a week, but by two days, three days later, this, they can't wait to get home again where everything is normal and everything is right and everything is good. That's the true reality of what the Holy Spirit does in every single follower of Jesus Christ. He reminds us that although life is good and life is a blessing and life is a gift, that we're just here for a short time, and what our souls really long for is to be at home with God, in heaven, for all of eternity, where everything is right and everything is good and everything is perfect the way that, according to the way that our souls long for. Within every believer is an eternal longing, internal longing for an eternal God. You do know there's more to this life than what you see, do you, do you not? We know it, but how often do we need to be reminded of it? We get so narrow-focused, don't we? We get so eyes on everything else. And let me ask you this. When was the last time you stopped throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, just to simply glory in the fact of what's to come? Remember when I was a kid at summer camp, it was every single night before bed. It was like, yeah, this is fun, but man, I can't wait to get home. When is the last time you stopped to really consider all that God has for you in the future, when we're finally together with him, this is what this whole passage is about. It's, see the title? It's, it's the future glory. The, the better that is to come for every believer. And here's, here's the first point I want to bring out of this. I'm going to skip back a little bit, because I know some of you were like, well, you didn't finish verse 17 last week. It's common, don't worry. I'm not skipping the hard parts, so just making it easy. It's coming. Here's the first point I want you to think about when we think about this whole idea, I can't wait for glory. I pray you can't wait for glory. I don't know but, but you, but for me, I can't wait for glory. The older I get the more it seems like I just long for Christ to come back and, and to be with him. I'm not like I'm down on life, but, but, but just the reality of what glory holds for us is amazing. Here's the first point I want you to put in your notes. My suffering reminds me that the best is yet to come. Everything God allows in our lives is for a good purpose, we know that, and even our suffering is, is for good purposes. This text is still reminding us that our suffering is simply to remind us that the best is yet to come. Verse 18 says this, well, verse 17, go back a little bit, it says this, well, we're children of God, and if we're children of God, then we're heirs with Christ, and, and we ended there, we're heirs with Christ, wow, think of all that's going to be ours and glory, it's, it's awesome, but look at this, some of you said to me, after you skipped the last part, I'm like, don't worry, I'm coming back, provided that we suffer with him, in order that we may, may be also, may be glorified with him, verse 18, for consider the present suffering, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, Suffering. What do you make of suffering? Why do we have suffering? How come it's so hard sometimes in life? Suffering is simply this, brothers and sisters. Suffering reminds us that there is something better that is yet to come. We hate this word suffering, don't we? We don't even use it anymore. I'm not suffering, I'm just going through a bit of a hard time right now. I'm not suffering, just not really going the way I thought it should. We avoid it like the plague suffering, even in Christian circles. Well, God wouldn't want me to suffer, would he? That's not a God who loves me, he wouldn't want me to suffer. And yet, God has ordained suffering in our lives as a way of helping us stay fixated on Jesus Christ and living for his glory. Suffering reminds us that the best is yet to come. Suffering is part of my present reality. You can write this down. We see in the last last part of verse 17 here provided we suffer with him, what's this mean? We're adopted. Holy Spirit bears witness to that. We're now heirs to a coming kingdom and fellow heirs with Christ, also, but it provided if, as in other words, if we also suffer with him. Suffering is a part of our present reality. Truth is, being a child of God is signing up to be in a family that will suffer. It's a prestigious family. We talked about that last week. And like, who wouldn't want to be on, on the winning team? Who wouldn't want to be on Jesus' side? Like, we all would like, we remember like, yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. We're on Jesus' side. Well, guess what? To join the winning team means that the rest of the world, is Jesus' side is against every other side in the world, right? It's like one against everything else. And to be on that side, the winning team sounds great. But here's the reality. When you join on Jesus' team, the rest of the world, who's exactly, living in opposition to Jesus. They, they, they boo at that. They scoff at that. You know, the, the, the winning team that everybody hates? That's Jesus' team. The only teams that love the winning teams are the people that are on the winning teams, right? Everyone else stands in opposition. And that's what happens when we come to Christ, we can be sure that we're in for a strong dose of disdain from the world and in turn persecution and suffering in this life. In fact, the Bible tells us many places not that we get to skip past the suffering. It tells us that we're actually gonna walk right through the heart of suffering as believers. Take the last name Christian. Everybody else is gonna be like, ugh. It's a prerequisite for being called a child of God. We must be willing to suffer like God. John, with Jesus, John 17, verse 14, Jesus prayed for his own people. You know what he prayed? He's like, hey, God, please be with them, protect them, because the world's gonna hate them just like it hated me, Jesus says. Matthew 10, 20, Jesus to his disciples, hey, the family's gonna turn on you. You're gonna be hated by, it doesn't say a few there. It says you're gonna be hated by all because of me. Think of how much Jesus suffered in this life and how did Jesus make it through the suffering in this life? He was looking forward to something greater that was to come. So I just wanna remind you, it's an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ. It's an, it's an honor to be ridiculed for the name of Jesus. It's an honor for people to look down on you because if, if they do, it tells us in this passage, if, if they are, if they're kind of like, whatever, loser, guy's a bit nutty, that actually means that you truly are identified with Christ. There's going to be suffering to being a Christian. It's not all just raising our hands and singing the glories. There's going to be suffering. And it's not just for being a Christian. That's part of it. But it's just suffering in a world that's fallen by sin. Look around and you see suffering. Turn on the news. You see suffering. We don't, have, we don't get past the suffering. We walk through it. And in John 16, the word tells us, in this world, you will have tribulation. Sickness will affect us. Disease will come into our lives. The pain and anger of other people are going to affect us in many ways. The fallen nature of creation and man is, is just creates this world where we are struggling. And Life's not really like a walk down the Welland Canal. Life's more like participating in the Tough Mudder Endurance Race. You do understand that, right? I hope you don't have any false ideas of what the Christian life is today. We're gonna get to the, the good news, but here's the, here's the truth, though. Life is like a Tough Mudder endurance race. 10 to 12 miles of mud and obstacles to build your mental grit, stamina, camaraderie, and all round physical fitness. It's really, uh, the Tough Mudder is who goes in it. I don't know. Why would they go in it? Who knows? But it, coming out of it, it's this. It tests to see what you really got. That's Life. Tell you this because scriptures tell us that we're all going to go through it. So I don't want you to be naive and think that somehow because you've come on Christ's side that you're going to miss all that stuff. You're not. But here's the here's the good news. Even in the midst of that, here's 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 the hope that we have. Verse eighteen. For I consider the sufferings of this present time so the. I consider Paul saying, like I have thought about this, I've come to a conclusion about this, that the sufferings of this present time, some of us are suffering right now. We're, we're going through the hardest time of our lives, being encouraged with this, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Although suffering is a part of my present reality, the Holy Spirit rearranges my perspective on suffering. See how the Holy Spirit's changing Paul's view of suffering. See how the Holy Spirit changes our view on suffering. He gives us a proper perspective of what it really is. What is suffering really? It's intended in our lives for God's good. Partially, a lot of things in here. I'm just going to stick to the text though. Partially to remind us that there is something better to come in this life so we don't get all wrapped up in the things of this world. And start putting all of our stock and all of our hope in the things that we can see right here now. Suffering helps us keep the eternal mindset that fuels our lives and our passion for Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit gives us a proper perspective. He gives us, John 16, the idea that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. He also gives us strength to look beyond the suffering to future glory. In every hard time you face, the Holy Spirit's gonna be poking on your shoulder and prodding you and reminding you that, hey, you can get through this. How can you get through this? Not in your own strength. How can you get through this? Knowing that there's something greater to come. This is a significant role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives, isn't it? How often have we, through the time of suffering, been like, ah, God must not be there. I may as well throw in the towel. Maybe as well quit all this stuff and the Holy Spirit reminds us, hey, you can do this because there's something greater. Keep your eyes on the bigger picture. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's like the cancer patient going through treatment. How do they endure? They endure with the hope of the possibility of healing. They're looking forward to a better day. It's like the student enduring the pain of university. And like, it's so hard and it's so challenging. It's like, why do you do this? Because you hope that one day you'll have a better life. And a degree in a better life, so we endure the suffering with the hope of heaven, the perfect life in heaven. We endure suffering looking forward to the glory. See that? The glory that is to be revealed to us. What's the glory to be revealed to us? It's Jesus Christ. The remarkable appearance of Jesus Christ. This helps us in every way get through the suffering that God allows into our lives. Such a hopeful passage. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. We all have within us an eternal longing for glory. We all have within us the desire for those something greater moments. And the struggle is we put them all, we think it's all gonna be accomplished here on earth. And so we put our stock in like, man, if I could just hit this vacation spot, If I could just win that championship, if I could just get that degree, if I could just, if I could just. And yet, the eternal longing that each of us have in our hearts is not for anything that is found in this world. It's for heaven. It's for glory. It's for Jesus. That's going to be our ultimate, that's going to be our ultimate, this is what life is about moment. Think of this, they're not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. What's the glory that's to be revealed in us? It's Jesus Christ, it's heaven. Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart comprehended the fullness of what God has planned for us. If your hope is all wrapped up in the things of this earth and health and in wealth and in all the things here, in this earth, you'll be discouraged and you'll be distraught fast. But if your hope is wrapped up in heaven, it takes, life takes on a whole new meaning. The ultimate that we look forward to is future glory. The Holy Spirit has wired us all that way as believers in Jesus Christ. This helps us get through every season of discouragement or bout of depression. It's okay, I can do this, because one day Jesus is gonna reveal himself to me. His glory is gonna supersede all these things. This helps us get through all those times we sit with a loved one on their hospital bed or every time we go to the funeral of one who passed away. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because, because I can get through this. Because Jesus, when His glory comes, this will all seem so insignificant compared to the awesomeness of who God is. This helps us get past every encounter with disappointment and every hurt in relationship. It's okay because, because my hope is not in people here, my hope is in Jesus. In those seasons of loneliness we go through where we wonder if anyone truly cares, we know that Jesus cares and He's coming back for me. Isn't this amazing, this passage? Just for a few for a few for these few verses right here. What role does the Holy Spirit play in our lives? He is constantly reminding us that there is something better. We all live long enough. You know there's nothing really here on earth that satisfies, anyways. And we can endure, whether it's for the name of Jesus or just the suffering that we encounter, we can endure knowing that one day we will behold our Savior. Kind of reminds me of the woman in childbirth. If you've ever been in that room with someone giving birth, it's not a pretty sight and there's no amount of money that could make me trade places with them. But the pain and the agony. My wife looked at me at one point, squeezed my hand. And I could just see it in her eyes, like, "What did you do to me?" And I'm like, "You can get through this, honey." She's like, "I can't. I can't get through it. Just make it over." <laughs> and I tried all the Lamaze things they do. Like, you know the, <laughs> you do that one more time, I'm gonna kill you, honey. I'm like, "But that's what we paid eighty bucks for." <laughs> but get this, the moment. Every one of our children were put in her lap to behold, guess what? The pain was gone. Like, it was gone. Like, I was amazed at how quickly, to, within 30 seconds, she was like, oh, we've got to do this again, sweetheart. <laughs> Us guys were like, what? What? Here's our hope as believers that when we finally behold Jesus, the pain and the struggle, the suffering is, is it's going to seem meaningless. It's going to seem obsolete because of the glory and the wonder of looking face to face in our, in our Savior's eyes. This is truly what you're longing for in life. I don't know what you're shooting for, I don't know what you're, you're aiming for in life, but this is truly what every heart desires, is simply to see Jesus. This is not a morbid or a fatalistic or like, you know, don't worry about this life. There is joy in this life. It's a gift that God has given us, but, but it's a reminder that, hey, the train hasn't arrived yet at its final destination. And your final destination far outweighs anything that this world can, can give you. It's, it's not much, it's nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Do you realize this? It's not just you and I that have this eternal longing. It's all of creation, this pastors point out. All of creation has the same desire. All of creation is looking forward to the same thing. Look what it says. It's really, here's the second point. I join all of creation in longing for ultimate freedom. I join all of creation in longing for ultimate freedom. Verse 19 For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Personifying creation here For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. Where did my illustration come from? Right here. Until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. coming of Jesus Christ is the focal point of all of history, and, and even today, as we look forward to Christ, all of creation can't wait till the coming of God himself to restore everything to the way that he once, the way that he created it, the way that it once was, the way that he desires it to be. And so part of us as being a believer, as the Holy Spirit in us, is we are long for Christ coming with creation. We long for it. We can't stop thinking about it. We can't stop talking about it. We hear of Jesus coming back. It's not like a, oh, Jesus is going to come back. It's like your heart starts thumping a little quicker and you're like, wow, Jesus is coming back. That is going to be an event I cannot miss. When my life will be perfect in his presence, when I'll be set free from all the confines of this sin-infested heart and body and world. The creation waits with, look what it says here eager longing. Eager longing is used seven times in the New Testament. Eager longing is the reveal, as it, for the revealing of the sons of God. Eager longing is always in relation to Christ coming back, because when Christ comes back, he's going to reveal who are truly the sons of God. And all created beings are subjected to, because of sin and the curse, Bondage, futility. It says here in verse twenty, bondage and corruption, and we just can't wait for the day when all that sin cursed stuff is gone, and all of creation. This this eager longing gives us a picture of his is like standing on their foot kind of like standing and waiting and looking. It's focused on one thing and one thing alone. It's the coming back of Jesus Christ. Significant when Jesus came the first time, even as just as significant when he comes back the second time. And, and think, about, think about creation. Creation is part of the curse. Creation creation has been cursed by God just like we have. If you flip back to Genesis chapter three, we see the results of the curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, we know what happened to our hearts. Sin and separation, well, the earth was also cursed. Man was given rule over the earth. When he sinned, it affected the earth as well. And, And so the earth was then subjected to rotting and decay, thorns and thistles, dryness of ground, Think of this before before sin, the animals weren't worried about surviving for their lives and survival of the fittest and where they're gonna find their food from. It was just this perfect utopia of everyone just got along, and and there was none of the things that we see on the the Discovery Channel that were like, wow, look what animal like wow, wow, they're they're pretty you know what I mean? There's none of that stuff. It was perfect, stuff just grew. The trees fully flourished. They never decayed and fell down. The grass never withered. Flowers didn't need fertilizer. They just sprung up in an array of color that we've never seen before because even that has been influenced by the curse of sin. Creation knows it. Creation knows it and they're standing on their tiptoes longing for the day, when futility, which is this purposeless and pointlessness of only being created to die and never fully realize their full potential, of the bondage, this this idea of being captured and restricted and unable to fully blossom and know the full extent of the beauty of what God intended, this corruption that that decays and rots, when they'll be set free from that. Romans chapter 8 tells us that everything is condemned to become useless. Creation is longing for the day. When as many commentators say they will no longer have to sing in minor key, yes, the world is beautiful, but it's not nearly as beautiful as God designed it. The, sin of curse, has, the curse of sin has, has influenced that. The whole world's longing for Freedom. Longing for the new to come. Isaiah 65, verse 17 says that when Jesus comes back, there's gonna be a new heavens and a new earth and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. All of creation is standing on its tippy toes looking for the day when it will be set free from the curse. Futility and bondage and corruption, no more forest fires and Pollution and all the things that are wrecking our, create God's creation. The whole world is longing for the coming of Christ, not just the creations groaning together, with the pains of childbirth. It's, it's groaning. Again, that whole childbirth picture, like a groan of childbirth is not like, oh, I hope it comes soon. It's just not. I can't even, I can't even duplicate it for you. I'd be embarrassed to duplicate it for you today but it's this internal, like it's gotta come. Oh, it's gotta come. Oh, what a glorious day is that's gonna be. Oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. When everything is made new, creation is longing for that. Not just us, all of creation. Every animal in the forest is, is howling for the same thing. Every tree in the wind is whispering the same thing. Come, reveal your glory, Lord, reveal your glory. The Holy Spirit is... Re- Doing that in us as believers, we're, we're longing for Jesus Christ and the glory of God to fall down. We see the full manifestation of the presence of God. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. From the very first moment the curse of sin was dropped until now. Future glory has been on the mind of creation. And not only the creation... But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, have grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoptions as sons. Wait a minute, I thought you said we already were adopted as sons. We are adopted as sons, but here's the thing. We are adopted as sons, but it's not going to be fully realized until the glory of Jesus comes back. That's our ultimate hope. We've grown inwardly as we wait for the adoption of sons, for redemption of our bodies, where everything about us will be made brand new. Every Christian also has this internal longing for freedom, ultimate freedom in Jesus Christ. The first fruits of the Spirit means that we're spiritually sensitive to the corruption of sin in and around us, the glorious freedom from sin and the effects of it are what we're longing for. Don't you find yourself longing for this? Groaning for like, God, if I could just be done with my dumb, sinful nature... I seem to mess it up more often than I make it right. What's wrong with me? I can't wait to be, I want to do it. I'm asking to help me do it, but I still can't do it. It seems like, God, I can't wait till I'm done with the sin nature. I can't wait till I'm done with the futility of this life. The longer you work, the more you realize it's just all futile, like Ecclesiastes says. It comes and goes, everything under the sun. What is it? It's meaningless apart from Jesus, right? Right? I can't wait till I'm rescued from this futility of like working hard, only to like, barely pay my bills, to work hard again, to struggle through, to try and be good in relationships, only to have them fall apart. I can't wait for the futility of life to make way for the fullness of life. I can't wait for the bondage of sin that seems to sneak up and wrap its clammy little fingers tightly around the neck of my soul often. I can't wait till it's gone. I can't wait till corruption, the corruption of my heart, is completely pure. Take a look at your heart. Isn't it true that although we know we're brand new creatures in Christ, it just seems that my heart more resembles maybe Hell's angels sometimes than the angels of heaven, doesn't it? Amen. If you don't realize that, you're not gonna long for heaven. You're gonna be longing for next weekend. Being with the pals and spending time with the family and next vacation planning. But if you realize this, that, that we are still not under the curse, but experiencing results of the curse, man, it just creates within us an eternal longing for heaven. This idea of, of this longing, like here's what we are in our souls through the Holy Spirit, this, this tiptoe idea of just longing to be free. Here's what we are. We're like my son Nick in his crib. He, that kid you can't pin down. That kid you can't, you can't put him in his high chair. You can't put him in a car seat. You can't put him in a crib. He's just like, I just want to be free. Ah. Apparently he's just like me. <laughs> You put him in a crib, and here's what he does. He's on his tippy-toes going, ah! He's like almost crawling out of the We can't get that thing low enough. He's crawling out of the bars trying to get over and just be free. That's what our souls long for. Our souls long to be free in the future glory that God has promised to bring us through Jesus Christ in heaven. This is the eternal hope of believers. I just want to see the glory of the living God. I just want to be in the house of God, enjoying the full reality of being his son and his daughter, enjoying fellowship with him and being completely spiritually and physically restored. It's not just spiritually we long for this. We long for the, the, our bodies to be completely, completely renewed in Jesus Christ. We try to keep ourselves in shape, but what's the reality? Our bodies are wasting away. Our bodies are getting worse. Or they're actually decaying over time because of the curse of sin and one day they're just gonna stop and yet when they stop, the truth is that Jesus gives us a brand new body that we can then, once again, for those over 40, we can touch our toes again and not feel pain. We'll be freed from these weak, old, limiting, falling apart bodies that constrain me and refrain me from being all that I wanna be and doing all that I wanna do. Full redemption is here and yet not yet in Jesus Christ. All of us, creation, every Christian is ultimately sitting in the waiting room of the great physician, moaning and groaning, just come and release me from where I am today that I might know life and the fullness of life that you promised. Even unbelievers long for this so they don't realize it. They're putting it all in different places, but they long for this same thing too. They long for release that's why so much money is spent on vacations and mansions and luxurious living and, and trying to, to be the, the best that you can possibly be. You're longing for something that's going to come for in, in heaven. And Christians, I just want to tell you this. We're sometimes ashamed of this. We don't want to look goofy. We're sometimes ashamed of talking about future glory. You don't need to be ashamed of talking about future glory. It's what the Holy Spirit produces in us as believers to give us glorious hope. When you're a Christian, the number one thing on your bucket list the Holy Spirit puts there is what? get to heaven. Oh no, pastor, my bucket list has a whole lot of things before then. The Holy Spirit reminds us that you can accomplish all of your bucket list and still miss out on the fullness of life. The fullness of life is keeping your eyes fixated on heaven and and living life for Jesus with that goal in mind. So even if we accomplish nothing on our bucket list, we still find life and life full in Jesus Christ. This is our longing. Is this, is this your longing today? Is, is, is your future hope really found in Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ? Is your future hope really found in the day that you take your last breath here on earth and your first breath in heaven? I read this passage and, and the Holy Spirit starts pumping a little ticker of mine to like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait, but yet there's a part of me that also, let's be honest, there's a part of me that's like, man, I don't think I live this out every day. I think I spend more time making that secondary to all the earthly plans that I have. And then I wonder why my fullness of life, like my joy of the Lord, like my my, my freedom in the Spirit isn't there. It's because I have my mind and heart set on the wrong things. Let me ask you this. Is this passage a true reality of your heart today? Are you, like creation, moaning and groaning for the day that you'll meet Jesus? Is your heart focused on that truth? Are you finding your hope and your strength in that truth? Or or are you, like most people in the world, longing for all of your hope and all of your fulfillment here on this earth? Are you longing more for a spouse that meets all of your needs? Are you longing more for your kids that grow up to be perfect? Are you longing more for your home to be finally renovated or your kids to graduate with a great degree to get them a job? Are you longing more for what's coming this summer or the the degree that you're going to get? Are you longing more for moving up in the world or more friends or more significance and influence? Are you longing more for the things of this earth and the things of heaven? You can be honest. It's a temptation of the enemy. It's what he wants you to long for because if you're longing for that, you're missing out on having your eyes fixed on Jesus and all that Jesus wants to do in your life and through your life on your path to glory. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. He rearranges all of our priorities in our hearts and he instills within us a longing for the best which is yet to come. Here's four questions to ask yourself as you think about, am I truly longing? Am I truly longing for this future glory we're reading about here? Here's number one. I don't know if I'm longing for glory. The thoughts of of eternal thoughts dominate my mind over the temporal thoughts. I am Christ-centered over me-centered. Number two, I desire... What Jesus has in store, more than popularity and pleasures of this earth, my heart longs for Jesus and what he has in store over the popularity and pleasures here and now. Number three, the conversation that dominates my lips is about Jesus' goodness, not worldly goods. conversation that dominates my lips is about Jesus' goodness and not worldly goods. Number four, the way I invest my time is for Jesus' kingdom and not my empire. I am more interested about coming home than comfy living. Because when we get when we get the full reality of our inheritance, we talked about it last week, and, and the full glory of what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Like, you know what it rearranges how we live here on earth. It just rearranges how we live here on earth. Eternal things seem to bring more joy to our heart than, than temporal things. And, and I just want to be identified with God and not the world. I can't stop declaring the reality of the truth of Jesus. I want to make eternal deposits with my time, my talents, and my treasures. Because Jesus is truly my one hope. Jesus is truly my one hope. This is the thing we can have as believers. The world talks about hope, but we have hope. Look what it says next. For in this hope we were saved. In this hope of eternal glory of of heaven we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. Our whole lives ought to be revolved around the hope, the one true hope of Jesus Christ in heaven. This is what our, our lives revolve around. This word hope is listed here multiple times. What is hope? It is this. It's not crossing your fingers. It's not closing your eyes and wishing for the best. It's not rubbing your special shirt or whatever you do for good luck. It is confidently looking forward to God's good future in mind that he has in mind for me. This is the one sure hope that we have in life. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen this week. The one sure hope that we have in life as believers is that we will get to heaven and eternal glory is ours by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I'm anxious for that. I'm looking for that. I know this isn't my home. I know there's more to life. Heaven is waiting. Do you realize what heaven beholds? You know what our hope looks like in heaven? Here's what heaven beholds. Heaven beholds this. Heaven beholds that one day we'll be with Jesus Christ we'll see him, we'll touch him, we'll know him face to face. And in heaven, Jesus promises us this. He, will, he is the light of the whole earth. He will light up the skies. There will be in heaven streets of gold. There will be in heaven sights we've never seen before and experiences we've never had. There will be in heaven, according to Revelation 21, there will be in heaven a once and for all stopping of any leaking from our eyes that has to do with sadness. There'll be no more mourning of lost dreams. No more, that'll turn to rejoice. There'll be no more crying over pain and loved ones, and the devastation of illness and slander and gossip. There'll be no more of that. There'll be no more weeping over the choices we've made. It is done. There'll be no more tears of sadness. He is also gonna put to death dying once and for all. Dying? I killed that idea when you when you got to heaven. It's no more. There'll be no more dying. No, no longer enter the equation. Pain and physical, mental, emotional, relational pain. He has taken us the word pain out of the dictionary and flipped the P around and made it gain for us. That's heaven. That's our eternal hope. This is what we truly long for and it shapes the way we think. It shapes what we feel. It affects what we do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, because we're not living for this earth. We're here, but we're just passing through. We can't wait till we get that, our name called from the roll of heaven. Death doesn't fear us. It excites us. A month ago, I was trying to explain this to Maya as I was on my elliptical one morning. She does down there, does her bouncing around and she asked this profound question about heaven and so I'm like huffing and puffing trying to explain heaven to this little girl who's bouncing beside me, you know. I'm trying to explain to her what heaven's gonna be like and Trying to tell my little girl, like Maya, it is gonna be completely different. And trying to tell her the 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 new the newness we'll have, we'll get to be with Jesus, trying to explain that to her and the new body she's gonna have and and how she's limited by her body, she won't be limited anymore. And 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 all the hope and start asking questions like, well, can you swim there? Like all the important questions, right? (laughs) Will the food be good? You know all those things. I'm just trying to explain it to a kid And the best way a kid. You know, you know, you know. You try to 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 a kid, and I don't even, didn't know if she got it. And a few weeks ago, we we're walking through Costco, and they have their like luggage suitcases out for display, and she sees one, and she goes running right up to it, and she slams her little fist on it, and she's we're like, Maya, my my my, like we always do my my my, don't do that, and she she grabs it, she starts walking, and she's like, I buy this. No, you don't buy this, and you like probably a little bit, but 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 dad, I got a pack for heaven. It's going to be awesome, is what she said. And she's really loud, so we're kind of a little embarrassed if people are listening, you know. Don't no, worry, I explained to her, it's not about, you know, this life's great too. And, you know, God's given us a gift and all that stuff. We live it to the full. We're like, not yet. She's like, not yet, Pops. Why not yet? I want to go today. I want to be with Jesus today, she says. We're not a little embarrassed, but kind of our little tear to our eye, too, you know. My, you don't have to pack anything to go to heaven. Everything you need and want is going to be waiting there. Everything. Last thing she said before she went on to something else was, I just want to go. Later, dad? Later. What hope. Especially thinking of my little girl, what hope. She can't fully understand. She doesn't get how to interact with this life. Her body is so limited and so frail. This is us in a physical and a spiritual sense. This is us. Why do we hold so tightly to this life? Why have our hopes and dreams wrapped up here? This part of being a child of God the Holy Spirit reminds us you can be free from all of that stress and anxiety and you can hope in glory. You can hope in heaven because one day, here's the truth of scripture, one day, this is the glorious hope of all believers, one day, one day your hope will turn to reality in Jesus Christ. One day your hope will turn to reality. In the meantime, as we go through these hard struggles of life, as we walk through the pain and suffering of life, here's all, here's all the scriptures tell us. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. It tells us to, to lift our eyes off the temporal and look to the eternal. And every time we do that, you know what's gonna happen? Remind ourselves, hey, the, there's future glory that's greater than this that's come. You know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and he, and he, with a little infusement of hope for the soul. I can't make it. I can't do it. I, I can't get there. It's too hard. My... my, 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 my My gas gauge is almost on empty when it comes to hope. Just pull over the car and tell God, God, I need help. I need hope. Lift your eyes to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes to the Jericho and it fills you with more hope. The hope we have is not here and now. The hope we have is in heaven. I'm not waiting for my big break here on earth or all my desires being fulfilled. I'm waiting and eagerly longing for something greater. When Jesus will be revealed to me, and I will be revealed to him as his true child. What a day that's going to be. Let me finish with this song. What a day that will be. I sang it lots of times when I was a kid in church. Let this be our hope today as we think about the future glory that we can look forward to by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. What a day that will be. There is a coming day when no heart aches shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore. Oh, that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness or pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand, and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. This is our ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I pray today that you would stir us all to, our, to know the full reality of what our total redemption looks like in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that we can stand here today totally redeemed, knowing we have a new life, knowing we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us in this life. But thank you also for the not yet part of our salvation that is to come. Thank you, Jesus, that you have something far greater for us than this world has to offer. God, I pray that you'd help us not just understand that truth, but live that truth. When we live that truth, God, our eyes are so focused on you. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. And God, I pray today for us that we'd be men and women who are fully abandoned to Jesus Christ. We'd be men and women who eagerly stand at our tiptoes longing for the day when we'll be fully redeemed from the sin-cursed world, our s- sinful heart, our decaying bodies, and we'll be redeemed and be able to stand with you in glory. Father, I even pray today for those here that don't have this hope or those here that are struggling to have this hope. God, I pray for those that don't that you'd help them see the full reality of what Jesus Christ is on the cross and what he means for the redemption of sinners today and forever. God, I pray for those that are struggling through this life, struggling to find hope. God, we can't manufacture that hope. God, I pray you'd help them today. Lift their eyes from the temporary earth that surrounds them, the temporary circumstance that they find themselves in, and God, lift their eyes to heaven. Lift their eyes to the glory of Jesus and the truth that you are coming back for them. And one day, oh God, one day, their hearts will be fully satisfied and fully alive with joy in the presence of their God. Please minister to us now, God. This is your word. Apply it as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca.